Hey guys, I'm, I'm Tristan Chambers. It's a uh, really nice to be here. Uh, believe it or not, this is probably my the biggest crowd so far that I've preached in front of, and I've been pretty nervous. But I think this is really off topic. I've just been thinking about it. I think I'm more nervous to preach in these shoes, and that's because last time I wore them, I actually got a buddy here who witnessed it. I was walking down the stairs out of my dorm, and man, I tripping is an understatement. I feel like. Pastor Mike likes to walk down these stairs. You won't see me doing that today because, man, I took one step. I was on FaceTime, and I just, dude, I tumbled, man. It was, it was embarrassing. Nick, my buddy, came down. He said, are you okay, bro? You just died. And I was like, I know. Like, I don't even know what just happened to me. So, uh, but no, that's, that's a side. But, guys, thank you so much uh, for being here. As Mike said, I'm kind of like his, his, uh, his support as the Wild Game Supper was, this, uh, was, was last night. Uh, what about that Wild Game Supper, guys? What about that wild game supper? Amen. Amen. Last night, eternities were changed. Forevers were changed last night. Not because Hank Parker was there. Not because the food was great. Not because Solid Rock put it on. Not because we had great gifts. No, no, no. All because of the grace of Jesus. That's the only, that's the only reason why last night went the way it did. And I'm so proud that I was a part of it and that I get to be, you know, Mike's feeling this week. I'm, I'm so excited to, uh, to bring y'all this uh, message today. Uh, to begin, we kind of got a special birthday anniversary. Uh, Solid Rock, as of this month, has been operational for 30 years. 30 years. 30 years ago, Pastor Mike and his wife Cindy were given a vision from God to give people a safe place to worship, an accepting place to worship, to come in and worship one name, one body together. And they've been doing it for 30 years. I want to thank Mike personally for giving me opportunities like this to speak. Because it's so, it's, so, it's so warming. I mean, he can come up here and, and give me praise and stuff, and that, that's so warm. But it's not because of Mike Franklin. And he, he'll say that. Kind of the slogan of the church, if you look at our bulletins, uh, is Matthew 16, 18. You can turn with me right there. We're just gonna we're gonna read it real quick. So Matthew 16, 18. Right here, uh, Jesus is talking to, to Peter, one of one of his greatest disciples. And uh, Peter got this nickname uh, when he was under Jesus as the rock. They called Peter the rock. And Jesus says right here to Peter, he says, And I tell you, Peter. That you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, also known as hell, will not overcome it. But here's the thing about this church. Here's the thing that Mike Franklin realizes. is In this verse, it's not talking about Peter. The rock that it's talking about is not Peter. The foundation in this is not Peter. The foundation is Jesus. That's the rock that Jesus is talking to Peter about right now. This is, this is what we're discussing. And he says, because, Peter, you will build my church on this rock, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Because Mike Franklin has not built this church on himself, on his staff, on this worship team, on me, on our youth, on money, on wild game suppers, on special events, on anything, because he has not built this church on that name, but on the name, the gates of hell have not, are not, and will never prevail against this church. Never. (laughs) Makes me tear up just thinking about it. God is in this place. There's an anointing on this place because Jesus is the center. Not him, certainly not me, certainly not this band, Jesus. 
Thank you, Mike, so much. It's, just so, it's so special for me that I got to speak during this time, during this anniversary month. It was, it was such a blessing. Uh, his son, Josh, men, mentioned to me, he said, you know, you're preaching on the 30th anniversary. I said, oh, my gosh, dude, are you serious? Oh, my gosh. I got, I got to make this. Oh, I got to do the best sermon ever. He's like, no, nah, man, chill out. You got it. You got it. But, uh, but anyway, today we're going uh, to be kind of plotting and settling into the book of Exodus. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and, and turn to Exodus, if you don't mind. Exodus 34 is where we're going to be beginning. Uh, in the church and in life in general, you've probably heard the, uh, the saying, you know, that person wears a mask. When I talk to them, they put on a mask. But what does that mean? When someone's wearing a mask, that means that they want to 100% block out their persona, who they are, their personality. They don't want you to know who they are. So when someone says, that person wears a mask in church, that means that they put on godly face, godly mask, blocks out who they really are, but then when they leave, they take it out. But we're not talking about that today. So don't, don't like sit in your seats like, oh, he's going to call me out today. Because no, that's, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. But today we're talking about something called veils. Now, a veil, you probably associate a veil with like a bridal veil. And we'll talk about that today also, the bridal veil. So we know when a, when a bride gets married... She has a veil over her face, but doesn't completely block out her face. It only hides it. It only distorts it a little bit. So today we're not going to be talking about completely blocking out someone's persona, but kind of distorting it, and that's called veils. So that's going to be the main topic today. And uh, uh, Can you hit slide two, Jody? This is the Greek word that Paul uses for veil. Everyone say it with me, koloma. Koloma. This is koloma. And yes, it, it literally means veil, but the thing I like about the Greek is the Greek goes deeper than just the actual meaning of the word, and it actually describes it in better detail. So yes, this means covering. Yes, it means veil. But it also means making something not understood. So, the reason, so when Paul talks about veils, he's saying someone is wearing something to prevent the viewer from completely understanding what they're seeing. It's a distortion. It's not a complete blockout. So today we're going to be talking about this, this veil. We're going to be talking about veils in our lives, veils in the church, veils that you struggle with, veils that you put up. And we're going to be talking a lot about that in terms of Moses, in terms of Jesus and what he did for us. And uh, I'm really excited. So that, that's kind of what the foundation of this lesson is. It's called Unveiled. So uh, let's get started. I'm excited. Let's do it. Okay, so we're in Exodus 34. A little bit of background, because like I said, we're already 34 chapters in. A little bit of background. You have Moses. Moses is a very popular character, not only in the Bible, not only in Christianity, but in general. People, you know, make allusions to the parting of the Red Sea and allusions to Moses seeing the burning bush. And that's what Moses was known for. But what I really like about Moses is Moses was a broken man. He was a broken man, but he knew that. He knew that he was broken. He knew that he wasn't good enough. In fact, whenever God would ask him to do something, Moses would be like, God, find somebody else. Find somebody else. And Jesus would, well, God, Jesus, yes, same person. But Jesus would always tell Moses, he said, you're going to do it and you're going to like it. Moses is like, all right, God, all right. And Moses, because of that obedience, even though he was a little, you know, standoffish at first, because of that obedience, Moses saw great, great, great things in his lifetime. Moses got to see the Red Sea split. Moses got to see a pillar of fire lead him, the Israelites, through the desert. Moses got to see a cloud lead them through the wilderness in the daytime. Moses got to see God, the actual presence of God. Moses got to see the burning bush and witness the creator of the heavens say for the first time, I am. Moses experienced so much in his lifetime. And I love this story about Moses. Right here when we're picking up uh, in Exodus, Moses has just led the people, and by the people I mean the Israelites, out of slavery in Egypt. And it was a long process. It took a lot of trust, but Moses eventually did that. 
So now Moses is going up to a place called Mount Sinai because God said, come to Mount Sinai. Let me see your presence because Moses said, show me your glory. God, I've, I've followed you. I've seen the pillar. I have seen the parting of the Red Sea. I've seen you deliver us, but show me you. I want you. I want the real you, not surface level. You call them pillar of fires and splitting the Red Sea surface level. I don't want surface level. I want you. So this is what's happening right now. He's out on Mount Sinai experiencing the Lord. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can read along or have it on the screen as well. Exodus 34. It says, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterwards, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came back out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went to speak with the Lord. So we have this scene. We have this scene that Moses has just seen the exact glory of God, exactly what he has been asking for, exactly what he has worshipped and followed and dedicated his life to, despite his brokenness, despite his past, despite what he's going on to. And he says, show me what you got. And God shows him his exact glory. And when he comes back down to the Israelites, because during that time God also gave him the, the commandments, the, the Ten Commandments, the law. So when Moses comes back down and says his light is shi- or his face is shining, it's radiating light, and it says the Israelites were scared that they didn't re- they didn't recognize Moses almost that Moses had to say it's me, why are you acting like this? What's wrong with you, You're, Moses? Your face is radiating. Why? Because he was in the presence of God. There are two parties in the story, and there are two parties. I want you, the individual, not the church, not all together. This time, individual. I want you to think about today. Which party are you in this story? As we continue today, who are you in this story? Are you Moses? Moses has seen the glory of God. He has lived an unveiled life with God. But when he gets down to the Israelites, and they're like, we don't know you because you're godly. You're different. And Moses says, I'll put a veil over my face then. Are you that person? Do you have a veil over your face? Are you hiding the glory of God that you have experienced already? And are you hiding it for other people? Is that why your veil is on? Are you hiding it because you're scared? Are you hiding it because Jesus doesn't have your full-on heart? Why is there a veil over your face? Are you Moses? Or are you the Israelites? Are you the one that when people talk about Jesus, when when people talk about God and they bring it up, you're like, I don't recognize that. That's alien to me. That's foreign to me. Veil. Put it on. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't want to understand it. Put it on. I don't recognize you. I don't want anything to do with you. Veil. Who are you in the story? It needs to be answered today. There is a third person. That is you are living unveiled lives. You've experienced God's glory. You have seen what Jesus has done in your life and other people's lives. And you live unveiled. You spread the glory of God. Even though people say, put a veil on, you say no. Who are you in this story? 
Think about that as we move on today. Think about it. So now we're going to go on to Exodus 26, eight chapters back. And now we're going to talk about another veil in history as well as the Bible. We're going to go ahead and read it first. I'll do that. It's on the screen as well if you don't have your Bibles. It says, or I'll give you background also. So right now, God is giving the Israelites, God has just rescued the Israelites from slavery, from captivity. Now he is giving them specific instructions, A, B, C, D, as specific as you can get to build their tabernacle, to build their place of worship. That is what he is doing right now. He's giving them, you need to do this, 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 and he needs to be perfect. Why? Because I'm God and I can, I can tell you what I want to tell you. That is what is happening right now. So it says, make a curtain of blue purple, and scarlet yarn, and finely twisted linen with cherubim woven into it by a skilled worker. Hang it with gold hooks on four posts of acacia wood, overlaid with gold and standing on four silver bases. Hang the curtain from the clasp and place the Ark of the Covenant wall behind. Put the atonement cover on the Ark of the Covenant wall in the most holy place. Oh, I skipped a verse, I'm sorry. The covenant wall behind the curtain. The curtain will separate, that's the most important part, the curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. Put the atonement cover on the Ark of the Covenant wall in the most holy place. Place a table outside the curtain on the north side of the tabernacle and put the lampstand opposite it on the south side. Now, when I read that for the first time, I was like, that is so much. And those are five verses. God is telling Moses this chapter and chapter and chapter and chapter and chapter and chapters worth of information. Moses, build the church to this exact dimension. Moses, make this curtain and make it embroider with this color, with these on it. Everything was so particular. Uh, Miss Jody, I think it's slide six that it's on. Exactly. This is what this curtain would look like. So this isn't some ugly curtain. This isn't some, like, mainstream curtain. This is a beautiful piece of work. And not only is it beautiful, but it has a purpose. As we read in the scripture, it's to separate the holy place from the most holy place. The most holy place is the presence of God. That is the most holy place. And this is supposed to separate people from that. This curtain was designed to be four inches thick. Four inches thick, which is ridiculous. And if you had two horses on either side of this curtain and you somehow tied ropes to their ankles or something and to the, to the veil, you could not pull it apart. This was serious. Why? Why did it have to be this thick? Why is it not easily moved? There's a reason for it. So you cannot be in the presence of God. It's to separate you. It's to veil you all. This is called the curtain in Scripture, but this is also referred to as the veil of separation. The veil of separation. This curtain is designed for you not to be in God's presence. Why? Because Jesus had not come yet, and with sin, you could not exist in God's presence. You couldn't do it. So yes, it was a form of protection, but it was also God saying, I delivered you, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you're going to do it. There was one person, though, that could enter the curtain. There was one person that could enter the veil. His name was the high priest. And God also gave Moses all the instructions for the high priest as well. The high priest also had specific instructions and specific garments that he was supposed to wear. And what the high priest would do he would enter this curtain and be in the presence of God once every year, one time. It was called the Day of Atonement. And his job was to go in the presence of God with a sacrifice, and he would have blood covering him so his sins would be covered so that he could then exist in the presence of God. But why was he going in there? To sacrifice 
some animal, most, most often a lamb, to atone for the sins of the community and for, that, and for that church. That was the purpose of the high priest. Slide seven, please. I think it's the next one. This is what the high priest would look like. Now, as you can see, I could not be your high priest. I, didn't, I, I, I would not be your high priest. If I even tried to cross that curtain wearing this, I would be dead. I, it, would, it would just be done. So. <laughs> but this is what he would look like. All the specific, all the colors is mentioned in Exodus. All the, how long the garment is supposed to be is in the Exodus. If you see that plate on his chest, there are 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And they're color-coded. This is serious. God's saying, if you want to be in my presence, you're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to do this and that and this and that. And they did it because they witnessed the glory of God. A little fun fact also, there's no scenarios of it happening in Scripture per se. But history is recorded that they would tie ropes to these high priest's ankles on atonement day when they would enter, enter the curtain, enter the veil to be in the presence of God. Because if they passed out or if they died, if the blood was not on them perfectly, they would die because God's presence is so great. So they would tie a rope to their ankle just in case they felt a thud or this... Rope goes tight. He's dead. Pull him out. Pull him out. All of these rules, all these regulations, all these steps to be in God's presence. And I know someone in here is probably wondering, I don't know of a high priest. I know Pastor Mike, but who's our high priest? Because that all changed when the high priest came. The great high priest came, Jesus Jesus came. You don't see veils in our church because Jesus came. You don't see high priests because Jesus came. If you have your Bibles, now we're going to flip over to Matthew 27. Read it with your Bibles if you have, but if not, again, it's on the screen. Matthew 27, 50 through 52. Backdrop, Jesus is on the cross. We're about to read Jesus' last moments on Calvary. The most important event in the history of the world is taking place, and we're going to read it. 50 through 52. It says, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He died. At the moment, the curtain, at that exact moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. The curtain tore, the veil tore. Many things happened that day. Historically, and archaeology has also proved that these things happened. An earthquake happened when Jesus died on the planet. There was a blood moon eclipse when Jesus died on this planet. This is history. This isn't religion. This isn't, you know, me up here being, being crazy, being a Jesus freak. This is history that just happened. This took place. And this is also history. The blood moon was cool. The earthquake was cool. The rock splitting, that is cool. The most important part, though, is that that veil tore. The curtain tore right down the middle. But what does that mean? It's a message from God saying, 
the separation is done. The separator of separation came and gave his life. So when you hear, Jesus died for my sins, that's such a cliche statement today. Jesus died for my sins so we can be in his presence. Not behind the veil. Not just in a church. Anywhere. Some of you probably didn't know that, though. Some of you do know that, though. To the ones who are veiled, you're still putting up a veil. And there are different veils you're putting up. Fear could be one of them. The veil of fear in your life. Even though the veil has been torn, even though you can be in the presence of God, you still have a veil of fear. I'm afraid that I'm going to be rejected if I give my life to Jesus. I'm afraid that if I start following Christ, my friends will make fun of me. I won't have the same amount of fun. I'm scared that God is too, is too specific for me. What if I don't understand the Bible? What if, what if, what if, what if? Jesus is saying, unveil. Come to me. Come. Your fears, they're taken care of. Unveil. Maybe your veil is ignorance. I don't know about religion. I don't know about Jesus. I don't know who this person is. Great high priest, high priest, torn veil. What is going on? What is this? I don't understand. Or maybe I was raised in a different culture, not Christianity. Maybe I was raised as an atheist or an agnostic. I don't know this Jesus. Jesus saying, unveil. Unveil. I have answers for you. You have doubts, I have answers. Come to me. Ask me questions. Ignorance. Unveiled. Maybe your veil is anger. God, why did you take her from me? God, why did you take him from me? God, why didn't this work out? God, why didn't I get into my dream school? God, why didn't I get the job that I wanted to land? God, why didn't I get this? God, why do you hate me? Why do you hate me? God's saying, unveil. Unveil. Let me show you how that was for your good. Help me show you how I was speaking to you. Help me. God's saying, unveil. Let me show you why I did that. Let me show you how it was for your good to prosper you, to lift you up so you can know me. Let me show you. Unveil your anger. Maybe you feel unworthy. This one breaks my heart probably more than all of them. You know, in that relationship, it was my fault. In that marriage, it was my fault. What if I screw my relationship with Jesus up too? What if God doesn't look at me how he looks at the preacher or the youth pastor? What if God doesn't see me? Now the Bible says, I'm, I don't feel worthy. God's saying, that's rubbish. That's rubbish. Unveil. He's saying, you're worth every second of that crucifixion story. Every second. Every minute.
unveil from unworthiness. Because Jesus is saying, you're more and you're worth more than precious diamonds. You're the most worthy thing of creation. The last one, sin. Sin. God loves when, these are, when this is people's veils. Because he's saying this is the easy stuff to deal with. He's saying, I can unveil you from this. Maybe you say, I'm an addict. Maybe you say, I have a bad mouth. I, I cuss a lot. Maybe you're saying, Tristan, I've done X, Y, Z. You don't know my past. You don't know what I've been through. You don't understand. And no, I don't. Frankly, I don't understand what you're going through. God does. I don't. But maybe you're saying, and this kind of ties into the unworthiness. Maybe he's, maybe you're saying, sin is what's going to keep me from God. And God says, there's a cross in the story. God said, there are three nails in the story. There's a crown of thorns in the story. There's holy blood in this story. There's an empty tomb in this story. Sin was unveiled on the cross. This is why that happened. You think sin's going to keep you from God. He's saying it's quite the opposite now. Before you couldn't enter my presence. Now I'm saying come here. I want every bit of you. I don't just want you to come to church. I don't want you to just read that devotional. I'm saying, come here. I want a relationship with you. I don't want you to follow me. I don't want you to just follow the rules. I don't want you to just step in line with your mom or your dad or your grandma that knew all the verses and had this big prayer list. No, I don't want you to step into that. I don't want you to go this way. I want you to go this way, right toward the cross. I want you. I want to know you. I don't want you to know about me, keyword about. I want you to know me. There's an invitation from Jesus that was given on the cross. And he's saying, come home. Come here. You're mine. You're worth it. You're worth it. The next veil that we're going to talk about. If you're in this place and you know those veils are torn, you knew the veil was torn. This part is not, it is for the Israelite, the people in the Israelite category, but it's, it's mainly for the Christians. There's another veil that Christ gave to us, and that's the bridal veil. When you become saved and you know that veil was torn and you know the blood that was spilled, you know the God that died on Calvary that day. God gave you a bridal veil to be the bride of Jesus. What does that mean? Throughout the Bible, you see comparisons to the church being the bride of Christ. You see, uh, you see Christians being called the bride of Christ continuously, continuously, continuously. But what does that mean? First of all, it means that we're supposed to be faithful to the Lord as a man should be to his wife. 
And back in that culture, in the Israelite culture, when women would prepare for weddings, they would prepare themselves. They would distance themselves and they would prepare themselves for their husband. The husband is Christ. But ladies and gentlemen, the wedding hasn't happened yet. That's why there's a veil here. In the wedding, the veil is lifted when the wedding occurs. The wedding hasn't happened yet. When's the wedding? When the eastern skies split. When Jesus returns. Church, I've talked to many, many, many pastors about this. Many. Because I was seeing it, and I wanted to know their opinion. Prophecies of that Bible, prophesizing the return of Christ, are coming true. Jesus is coming back soon. Soon. This isn't a wedding where there's a best man. No. Just because your mom or dad knew Christ, there's no best man in this wedding. In fact, there's no one invited to this wedding. It's the bride and the groom. Do you have the bridal veil? And when Jesus comes back, are you a part of this ceremony? Are you a part of this ceremony? Ask yourself that. It's the most important question in the history of the planet. In culture, most of the time, weddings are boring. This is a wedding you don't want to miss. I promise you, you don't want to miss. And Jesus made it clear. He said, you don't want to miss this. Look what I'm doing. It's coming. There's more to come. Christ is coming back to collect his church. But do you know? Do you know? Are you unveiled? Are you living an unveiled lifestyle? Do you know those veils are torn or do you still have them? Do you need to pray? Do you need to come see a leader? Do do you know that you have been unveiled in the name of Jesus? Do you know the story of Calvary? How Christ took on sin for the world so that we can know him. Do you know that Christianity, this form of religion where you follow guidelines... This following guidelines thing, it doesn't happen in this church. We don't know God because we follow guidelines. We have a personal relationship with Jesus, a personal relationship with the Creator. That is what following Jesus is. Not saying I'm going to read this Bible from cover to cover and I'm going to follow every single rule in it. No, 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 no. You got it wrong if you think that's right. Having a relationship with the Almighty with Jesus, diving in his word, learning about him, figuring him out, saying, God, you act this way, you tell me to do this, but I know how great you are, I'm going to do it. That's what following Jesus is. Not rules. Relationship. That's the gospel. That is the unveiling story. That's the reason I'm on this stage. We're going to hit one more verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, please. Start in verse 12, and we're going to end at 18. Listen to this. 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 Listen 
to this. It says, therefore, since we have such a hope, Christ, we are bold. We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. We're not like that anymore. Unveil. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. What does that mean? When you read the Old Testament and you, say, you have to read, I have to do this, 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 to get to heaven and back. A veil is covering your heart because that's not the gospel anymore. The gospel is Jesus. That is what that verse means. It says, it has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Only in Christ are you unveiled. And it says, even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers your heart because you are not experiencing true Jesus, true resurrection power when you read this law saying, you have to do this, this, and this to gain my love or to be my presence. A veil is covering your heart. You don't know what's happening. Unveil. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. This is one of my favorite parts in all of Scripture. One of my favorite verses of all time. Listen to this. 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 Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, that is spirit. With unveiled faces, we look at the Messiah of the world, unveiling, destroying barriers, tearing barriers in half, tearing veils in half. We are knowing the creator of the universe in a relationship-like manner. And what word does Paul use to describe that? Freedom. Freedom. You might have come in here with one of those veils. Tear it. Unveil. Find your freedom. You might have come here saying, I don't even know about the Calvary story. I don't know about Jesus. I don't know about the Bible. I don't know about veils. Unveil. Find your freedom. Find freedom. You might say, I feel so unloved. I don't fit into church. I've been judged. I've had a bad experience with the church in the past. That wasn't Jesus that you were experiencing. Experience the Creator, the Savior. Unveil. Experience freedom. Find your freedom. You can make all the money in the world. You will not have freedom. You can take every pleasure and find every pleasure and go pleasure searching. You will never find freedom. You can try to gamble. You can try sex. You can try pornography. You can try alcohol. You can try drugs. You can try whatever you want. It will not give you freedom. It will leave you empty. But freedom, as Paul says, is the Spirit of God. Freedom is that cross. Actually, no, it's not. Freedom is the God who died on that cross. 
find your freedom. Come home. If you are like Moses in the story and you're living veiled, we're going to revisit that. Unveil, find your freedom, come home. If you're like the Israelites, I don't know it. I don't know this, Jesus. I don't understand that Jesus. I don't want anything to do with that Jesus. If I follow Jesus, I'll be a coward. If I follow Jesus, I lose everything. If I follow Jesus, my life is different. I'm a first-hand account and witness of saying that that's not true. Come home. Find your freedom. There is freedom in Christ. I'm going to ask whoever's doing playing the invitation to come on up. If you don't know how this works, if you are confused and you're, I don't know how this Jesus works, I don't know, how does unveiling look, Tristan? How does breaking these barriers look, Tristan? It starts with one thing. Believing that Jesus died to unveil you. Jesus died for your sins so he can have a relationship with you. It says in Romans 10, 9, that if you believe that in your heart and you declare with your mouth that same very thing, you will be saved. Find your freedom. As Joe and uh, my mom begin to play, we're going to invite you to the altar, and me and Pastor Mike are going are to be down here in case anyone wants to make decisions. If anyone wants to unveil, if anyone wants to find freedom today, we're going to give you that chance. Don't miss this opportunity. If you even feel a slight voice talking in your head, it's not me. It's not me. When I'm speaking right now, it's not me. It's freedom speaking. It's the Spirit. If you hear a voice inside your head saying, maybe he's right, maybe I do need to unveil, that's not my voice. It's the Spirit telling you, come home. Unveil. 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 Come home. Everyone can stand.